This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Look, Thomas, big show coming up. Uh, Lots happening in the world of finance. Going to be asking you the question, Thomas, has El Salvador collapsed after moving to Bitcoin? We'll find out how that went. What does it cost to build a whole new city, and why would you? Uh, We'll cover that a bit later. Also going to ask you, Thomas, is there such a thing as carbon-neutral fossil fuel? Um, I don't believe that could be possible, but we'll find out. And, Thomas, this is actually something that I wanted to ask Gladys Berejiklian, but unfortunately she's cancelled her press conferences and she's not even returning my calls. So (laughs) so she cancelled her press conferences on Sunday, said, no more, that's it, and then held a press conference on Monday. So, um, But apparently it was a different one. I don't know. (laughs) This is the worst. This is the worst fight farewell tour since Fanzi. Um, anyway, a lot of a lot of talk this week about vaccine passports and mm. whether or not they're a good idea. Mm. Thomas, your thoughts on the vaccine passport? Yeah, I mean, the, the does seem, a lot seems to hinge on it, and there's a lot. Like in, in my community here, it's a, it's a big big story blowing up because all the teachers are being forced to get vaccinated to keep their jobs. So. Mm. That's that's uh, become a very hot button topic, but I did see that uh, I can score a fake vaccination certificate for two hundred bucks. So I thought I wanted to ask you if that's am I getting ripped off or is that a good price? Look, in short, yes, you're getting ripped oh, off. Uh, it's a PDF, from what I understand, and there are plenty of PDF editors online. But I've been many things. I've had many jobs in the course of my life. I used to be a gate attendant for a a tennis club in Darwin. Uh, I flipped burgers at McDonald's. But among all those things, uh, I've also spent time as an identity and access management specialist. So I've, I've spent a bit of time looking into such things like identity verification, identity validation, that sort of stuff. So to answer your question, yeah, I mean, the been a lot of talk. There's two things. There's one one online group came out offering these two hundred dollar forged passports. Like, seems like a good deal, but if you actually looked into it and looked at how much effort there'd be in producing one, anyone with like a, a PDF editor of some kind would be able to make knock one up pretty quick. I'd say it's it's a dud deal, but it's a bit like when um, do you remember when the government turned off analog TV? They had a, a scheme where they gave contractors like. I don't know, something crazy like $300 to convert someone from analog to digital. And 
they just got snapped up and it was literally just going and plugging in a set top box and then walking <laughs> uh-huh. away and they just made they just got consulting fees so if you're too lazy to make your own to make your own vaccination certificate or if you just can't be bothered finding out how then maybe 200 bucks is okay if that's if that's for you surely the like the health of the nation is not hinging on a bunch of pdfs well, no, they they did release an app. Oh, right? okay. Governments are good at app. <laughs> can they? They can do it. Anything where Stuart Roberts is involved mm. is is you know it's quality. It's top shelf. So they made an app, and the app kind of suffers from the same problem that the PDF does. To be honest, <laughs> the the app they didn't build in any any sort of what we call third party validation. So it's it does actually pull your data down from a government website. It just doesn't do any checking to to work out whether the the data that it's getting and the site that it's connecting to is actually that of the government. <laughs> so it just kind of makes a call out and assumes that whoever replies and responds to that call <laughs> is the government. <laughs> it doesn't kind of go, are you sure you're the government? Because this looks a lot like a kind of dodgy request. Really? So, that, so that's, how, that's how the people dodge it up. They, they get on the other end of that call. And go. I think so. The, the, guy, who, the guy who cracked it, um, uh, I forget his name, Richard Nelson, um, he's the one where people have been have been sharing his tweet. So he's a, he took the Medicare Express app and showed how he could produce what appears to be a a valid certificate that says yes, I'm vaccinated. He said I'm not. He he wasn't officially vaccinated. To his credit, he hasn't he hasn't just spread how to, here's how to crack the app. Yeah, right. um, he he did he did kind of he just said look this is how easy it is. It took me about ten minutes, uh... and it's all to do with validation. So there's nothing that says. There's nothing built into the app that that checks to make sure that it's getting the data from the right place. The same problem with the PDF in a way. There's nothing, if you print it off or you show it to someone on your phone, there's nothing in built into it that says this has come from a legitimate place. And so that's the big difference that they're, that with, say, the EU passports that they're, mm-hmm. they've got in um, if you want to travel around in the EU, they've got a vaccine passport as well, but that's got a QR code on it. And that's like if you scan the QR code, that then takes you to that pulls down the data live. It's it's cryptographically set up so that the the data is validated, the source is validated. You can't falsify the QR code. But mm-hmm. I think I think what it comes down to is there's a concept we talk about which is called level of assurance, right? And ultimately, it comes down to how important is it to us as a society that the level of assurance is is really high for this thing. So we could build something, right? There's, the EU's proven it. They've got open source software. I don't know why we didn't use it. <laughs> like, we're like, no, no, it's good. We'll, we'll make our own, thanks. And we failed miserably. But they could fix it, right? So they could fix it. But it, it comes down to, to the level of assurance that's required. So when we talk about level of assurance, we're essentially saying how important is it that, we, that the, the information that we're providing is valid. So if I go into say Boost Juice, right, and I say, you know, I'd like a large Boost Juice, and they go, can I have a name for the order? I say, yes, it's Jesus. And then when they call out Jesus, I say, God bless you, and walk away with my juice, and everyone's happy. The level of assurance required in that in that environment is very low. It doesn't matter that my name, that I gave a fake name, uh, and I was wearing a funny dress. It it doesn't matter at all, right? But if you go to something a little bit higher, maybe you're going to buy a ticket to the footy, you need to prove that the ticket is valid, so you scan the ticket on the way in. But again, you know, there are people I know <laughs> who buy children's tickets to the footy and then use like a PDF editor which says 
this is an adult ticket now. <laughs> so it's a valid ticket. The machine, the machine at the front is just checking, is it a valid ticket? The machine is not checking, does it belong to, uh, to Adam or does it, does it belong to a child or anything like that? It's just saying, yeah, that's a valid ticket. You go through, there's no reason for the security to stop you and go, hey, that's, mm-hmm. something's dodgy here. Um, so, you know, again, it's, that's a slightly higher level of assurance. You're saying at least the ticket is valid. That's what's important in that scenario. So mm, mm. I think this is where we get to with, the, with the, the vaccine certificate or the vaccine passport. I don't know who's kind of enforcing it. It is kind of easy to forge, but not that easy. So, you know, like people aren't going to be hacking the app typically. They're not going to be paying $200 in most cases. So they're kind of... We're saying we're making it hard enough. We're creating this barrier. I don't know. Like up, yeah, up, up here. If 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 that hack was easily available, it would spread like wildfire. Right. And I reckon half the population would have a fake certificate within a, within a fortnight. <laughs> I reckon. Right. Half right the now. population. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, maybe don't. Like, maybe <laughs> touch so. Well, we, yeah. We, yeah. Like where where I am happens to be the anti-vax capital of Australia. Like mm. with, with children's vaccines, there's a very low vaccination rate, one of the lowest in the country, mm. and, you know, high degree of scepticism. Ultimately, though, who's enforcing it anyway? I mean, and you've got to remember, we need an environment that can accommodate people without smartphones, right? We can't have mm. a mm. smartphone is a mandatory thing. So it's Slippery be... slope, Adam. I think that's where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, maybe that's why they want to put the 5G chip in us in the first place. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But it becomes easy to forge. You could still you could still add a QR code to the bit of paper that, that then you could present maybe a driver's license along with it, someone validate. But who's going to do that? Like if there's like a, a six foot five biker walking mm. into a cafe, is the 15 year old kid working in the cafe going to be like, um, yeah, I, but what, I don't what think are... your name's really Carol. <laughs> 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 but what about like so the teachers is a condition mm. becoming a condition of employment that they're vaccinated like mm. so presumably the school then needs to sign off or see see something yeah. well what, what are they just see, checking a piece they're not just checking a piece of paper and a printout right is there some kind of central record for this thing or well yeah it's in it's on the government register and so they're going to have to they're going to have to fix it but what mm. i'm saying there's no it doesn't i don't think it's a foolproof solution but I think if we're trying to, if if we think we could get it to be a foolproof solution, that's probably, that's probably unrealistic as well. Well, maybe not unrealistic. There'd be a lot of investment. Yeah, right. Like, are you saying that there's a technological barrier to something like a vaccine passport? Because that's that's where that's where like a lot of people up here saying this has been the whole agenda all along. Mm. It's about introducing vaccine passports and then backfilling with all sorts of other vaccines as well. No, I don't think there's a technological barrier to making it work it could be it could be made to work it's working in the eu right the the eu Mm. passport works but you've also got federal police at the airport and airport security who are enforcing it you you're not relying on on businesses to have people Mm. within the business kind of you know enforcing i mean a different story when you if you make it part of the employment i reckon you're going to go well we can check that in the same way that you have to provide your tax file number details you know you could forge your tax file number if you wanted to but eventually that's probably going to catch up with you (laughs) it sure did for me um the technological barrier isn't there i guess the question is how much effort do we go into i noticed that Mm. the uk has has just backflipped on it they were going to do it as well and then uh what's his name boris 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 johnson Johnson. Mm. he's come out and gone nah this is we're, we're taking this off the table it's not it's not worth the effort 
And there are a lot of people, you know, complaining that it infringes on people's rights. There's a, I know a lot of people that that are not don't even you know QR code check in. They still fill out the form or just don't do it at all because that's their belief. I don't I don't agree with it. I think we should be QR code checking in everywhere we go. But I think we should be getting vaccinated as well. I'm not looking to pay 200 bucks for a dodgy PDF. So, yeah, people are always going to try and work around. I mean, this, this generation that's putting this forward is the same generation that literally, like, faked IDs to go and buy alcohol at the, <laughs> <laughs> at the bottle So, you know, we're no, we're no stranger to this. But, no, I think the technical barrier is could be overcome. It's, that's mm-hmm. fine. I just... I do question how easy it is to enforce if we do go down that path. But, mm. but it, is it is it the ticket to to opening up? Like, is that from an economic standpoint? I guess it's they're saying it's a condition. Yeah, they're still pushing. I mean, the the the, the barrier seems to come down every every week. You know, t- mm. two or three weeks ago, we we're talking about eighty to eighty five percent of the population. Now it's seventy percent in New South Wales. It's seventy percent of the adult population. Yeah. So it's like it's not as big. Well, <laughs> It was like with the uh, the vaccine waiting period between the first and second dose. Oh, yeah. it was initially, it started out like twelve weeks, and then, yeah. <laughs> then if, if, if a fair way into the, a bit into the pandemic or into the lockdowns, and it's, it sounded like a lot. It sounded to me a lot like politicians decided that maybe it didn't need to wait that long. I don't know yeah. if the health, health advice changed at any point. <laughs> it's a mess. It's a mess. So I don't know. A lot, lots to be unpicked. I think they could do a better job of the app, mind you. Um, they could hmm. they could definitely fix the app, and it wouldn't be hard. Like it, it's you know, there's not a lot of work that needs to be done to add that validation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think even if you do fix it, you still you're still relying on a 15 year old cafe worker to enforce it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, obviously, crypto is probably the solution here. It needs a blockchain solution, <laughs> is what I'm hearing. That's exactly right, Tox. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it needs. Uh, well, speaking of blockchain yeah. and El Salvador, the country has mm. gone live. They are now live, live, live with Bitcoin as their currency. So, yeah, they've made, made Bitcoin legal tender. Legal tender. So they haven't replaced their currency, have they? They, they work on in the US dollars. They, yeah, they, re- they actually replaced their currency in 2001 and just right. went, we're just, going to, we're just going to start using US dollars now. Mm. Um, so they've, they've been, they, well, they're, they're called dollarizing. They dollarized back in 2001. Right. Um, and have been using the US dollar since then, but now now they've just made Bitcoin legal tender. So yeah, the government's yeah rolled out a, a digital wallet. Given they called it Chivo, Chivo, which is slang for cool. So like Kivo, I think it might be Kivo, is it right? Hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have no idea. Kivo. <laughs> In this segment, uh, we'll yeah. be mispronouncing a lot of Spanish words. <laughs> But they've, yeah, they've given every citizen thirty dollars in Bitcoin for everyone who yeah. signs up. US dollars. <laughs> they, they gave everyone thirty dollars in Bitcoin. Bitcoin tanked like fifteen percent on the day <laughs> on they the went day. live. It was like so. Apparently, everyone they gave everyone thirty dollars worth of Bitcoin in their Kivo wallet, mm-hmm. and that was meant to be spent in stores using your Kivo wallet. Uh-huh. But it wasn't too long before people worked out that they could just transfer it to another digital cryptocurrency and then just take it out in cash or into another digital wallet so uh, so i don't think that you couldn't withdraw it from your kivo wallet as cash it was well no 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 yeah no they've, they've got a whole bunch of atms a whole network of atms they've created where you can go and there's free conversion from bitcoin into us dollars yeah but i think the initial 30 dollar that they gave them somehow was 
you could you, you couldn't you couldn't take it out at the ah, ATM. Okay, right, right. So hmm. they just went, I'll move it to my other Bitcoin wallet and <laughs> withdraw it as cash. <laughs> but it was fine because by the time they withdrew, it was only worth $19 anyway. <laughs> so how's it going, do you know? Have you, have you been uh, keeping an eye on it? Not really, no. I'll be honest. I haven't Good. followed it. I'm glad, we talk- I'm glad we added this to the segment list. <laughs> this is going really well so far. Well, I mean... The interesting thing, so like they've set it up, it's become legal tender and they sort of want to create some move towards it. But sort of like a lot of the criticism in the press has been like, oh, these silly El Salvadorians trying to create a, trying to turn Bitcoin into a live currency when it's it's not stable, mm. it's too volatile, you can't use it as a day-to-day store of value. And I think that that's, that's reasonably true, but it's not what the, the key problem that, that they were trying to solve. The key problem is that they have a huge remittance uh, inflow so that like lots of something like 20 percent of the population lives in america and they right. send six billion dollars back home every year six, six billion. billion so 23 percent of its gdp is mm. coming back f- through with through these what they call remittances people sending money back and they pay a huge amount of fees on on that like through western union or the other characters apparently the mm. president nayib bukele Probably mispronounced that horribly. <laughs> Nailed no, it. No, yeah. Keep going. Keep. Like a native. Um, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he he reckons it's cost it costs them four hundred million dollars a year in commissions. And so, with Bitcoin, right. obviously, one of the key selling points is it's zero fee transactions. Yeah, and that's so it's gonna yeah help help people get money more easily and more cheaply and save some money. And yeah, seventy seventy percent of the population gets some sort of remittance from overseas. Seventy percent, apparently, that's what I read. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. Mm. So, I mean, that's a lot of money. Then that someone like Western Union or who's the other one, MoneyGram? Yeah, maybe? That's, like that. that's a lot of money they're going to miss out on. They must be worried. Surely, this is the tip of the iceberg for for international transfers. Like, if whether country, whether other countries adopt cryptocurrencies as legal tender or not, mm. once people work out they can transfer money around the world and pay next to nothing in mm. fees, mm. then. Doesn't that just pretty much wipe out Western Union's whole business model? I reckon it does. I reckon it does. I reckon that is the that is the disruption that that Bitcoin is providing, and and it's sort mm. of like it's like a lot of services now. Like you know, they talk one of the trends is demonetization. So there's a bunch of D, so dematerialization. So we went from CDs to online music. So the product dematerialized, and then from there you go into demonetization. So then the the product becomes free, and it's like part of a subscription offer. You don't actually pay for the thing anymore. You there's some other way of extracting mm. fees. So yeah, so it's just demonetization coming for uh, transfers, mm. and yeah, Bitcoin's driving the way. But I think because the technology's there, it'll become. Well, I don't know. There's still, but there's still a lot of like. So the World Bank and well, one of the things that, that so. Moody's downgraded El Salvador's credit worthiness and saying that it's opened mm. them up because like know, know your customer regulations oh, yeah. are, are now impossible. So that potentially mm. puts lumps El Salvador into a bunch of rogue states like North Korea and Iran and things where, they, where the US government has sanctions on them because they don't trust that they're not funding terrorism and things like that because they just don't know where the, where the money's flowing. So... But I think isn't the isn't the Kivo wallet isn't that a government built thing? So I think that was one of the things about the Kivo wallet was it's built by the government. So even though the cryptocurrency, it's still like a centralized bank of sorts for Bitcoin. Right. 
I think. And that's that's one of the, the tools that stopped them kind of taking the money out as cash as soon as they were given it. They had to transfer it to another wallet first. So they don't, so they don't actually um, have the keys to their own Bitcoin. It's held by... I don't, I don't know. Right. We're out of our depth <laughs> I again. It, I read it. Oh, so far out. <laughs> I, can, oh. I can see the shore. Oh, it's over there. What have we done? <laughs> Grab the lifeguard's attention. Oh, where's an expert when you need one? I, no, but I think that's. I think that was one of the criticisms was that the Kivo wallet is like government owned, and because the president came out when it when it launched, President uh, Bukigli or whatever his name is, he came out and there was issues with the rollout of the wallet mm-hmm. and. He was like, yeah, it's bloody Apple and Google. Mm. Like, they haven't managed it well at all. <laughs> I'm like, look, I don't know. I mean, I'm only going on the Australian government's management of, of COVID apps. And <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'm not sure that, that I would rate El Salvadorian government's app developers to scale out an app compared like any better than Apple and Google could manage. So we'll see. But tell you what, we'll promise you that we'll do a little bit more research on this perhaps and see if we can get some answers for you next week. Or better still, why don't you send mm. us an email if you know more about this, cve at equitymates.com or head over to the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve or tell us where we're wrong on Instagram at cve podcast. You'll also find us on Facebook at cve podcast. Let's pause there. Uh, go and do some research and be right back with more Comedian versus Economist after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. And Thomas, what is this I'm hearing about carbon neutral fossil fuels? Yeah, well, this is a this is a uh, pilot project that Ampol's launched uh, mm. recently. They're offering business customers carbon neutral petrol and diesel, uh, but they're, they're, it's not actually in the petrol. They're doing it through offsets, so the customers right. pay a bit extra more, and then they plant some trees and do some carbon offsetting projects plant some trees in the hole in the ground they dug out to get the oil <laughs> yeah it's a neat <laughs> neat solution but they're doing it on the full supply chain so it's it's the production consumption the distribution um the full gamut so yeah and the way the way they're saying it they're saying there's a market need because a lot of companies are committing to go carbon neutral but they don't have you know electric vehicles or they're 
the sort of the infrastructure, particularly around transport, is not there to support that transition. So they're sort of like this bridging solution where they can go carbon neutral by purchasing carbon neutral petrol and diesel. They're also rolling out um, a lot of EV charging stations, aren't they? Well, yeah, they, they yeah they go, they're going hard. They got the, they look in May they launched the decarbonisation initiative, I'm calling it, and there's a bunch of stuff right. in that. So they're yeah, moving into green hydrogen and batteries. They're investing a hundred million in future energy projects help achieve a goal to reach net operational emissions, zero net operational emissions by 2040. Uh, 100 million is about 5 to 10% of their total investment, so, you know, on track. Um, committed to mm. use 40% renewable energy by 2025 and 50% by 2030. Oh, and they've, and they've just rolled out, they, actually they just won a grant, and they're rolling out a, a fast-charging electric vehicle stations through their, through their sites, 100 sites across the company's network. Got a $7 million grant for that. Which is about a third of the total cost. So. They could they can power them by using generators run on carbon neutral fuel. Yeah, I think it's a sign of the times that you have a, essentially mm. a fossil fuel company, a company built on you know selling petrol, is leading the way, is rec- seeing the writing on the wall, and they're trying to get ahead of the curve, um, mm. and sort of yeah pushing pushing on with this stuff and and creating that. That, that, that bridging solution for companies that are ready to go carbon neutral have sort of sold that to their investors and their customers and um, but need to be able to deliver on it. So I, th- I think mm. I feel like the space is moving quite quickly and this is my sense that it's moving relatively quickly and it's being driven by business and business is, mm. is dragging the government along behind it. It's very confusing though. So Ampol's a petrol company. They're now selling electricity. The electricity companies like AGO and Origin are now selling broadband <laughs> <laughs> because presumably there's no money in electricity. I don't know. Like why everyone's just we're just going to end up with a world where everyone's selling everything, aren't we? Just companies are just going to struggle, just going to try and become big yeah, and sell yeah. everything. No, it's 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 the social social website maximalism. Just everything becomes a social media network <laughs> at some point. Well, talking about building things and and big things. <laughs> don't don't drink in podcast kids there's an economist thomas is right up your alley uh, an economist henry george is talking about building a new city <laughs> oh no he's not you, you read that completely wrong yeah. no, this is billionaire mark no, law <laughs> he's, he's yeah he's, a, he's, a, he's an ex um walmart executive he's got a vision for a five million dollar <laughs> New city. He wants to build a city somewhere in the desert. Effectively, it sounds like an eco city somewhere in the somewhere in the desert. Mm. He's pitching it. He wants to have the diversity of New York, the social services of Stockholm, and the what was the other one? Cleanliness of Tokyo. That's right. So yeah, it's gonna it's eco friendly architecture, sustainable energy production, drought resistant water systems, a fifteen minute city design so people can get everywhere within fifteen minutes, and fossil fuel powered cars are going to be banned. Apparently. Mm. Wow. That, oh, that sounds gonna, amazing. Sounds like... Nirvana or Nevada. They don't know yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, at the moment, it's a dream. He needs to raise... Yeah, it'll have a population of 5 mm. million. It's going to cost 400 billion, probably, you know, at a minimum. 400 yeah. billion. Right. That, seems, that seems reasonable, though. Like, that's not in today's yeah. money. To build a city that has five million people in it, with all those yeah. things, it's pretty cheap. You think, but that's kind of Sydney, right? Like you just build another Sydney for four hundred billion. Seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, which begs the question: What's wrong with Sydney? COVID aside, but there's nothing wrong with the city itself. Well, it's not a fifteen-minute city by any stretch. 
doesn't have eco-friendly architecture, has a lot of fossil-fueled cars rocking around the last time I looked. I find that you reach a certain stage in life anyway where you just end up living in a 15-minute environment because I think I get on the train to go to work, which I don't really, I don't really count that as transportation. <laughs> I think the town planners do. Because I'm, not do- <laughs> because I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting there like listening to a podcast or reading a book. It doesn't really count. Adelaide is a 15-minute city. You can get anywhere in Adelaide in 15 minutes. Yeah, but, I don't, but what I'm saying is I don't really get beyond, beyond going to work. I don't really go out of my environment. I don't, I, you know, like I go down to the surf club. I, my, my friends live around here. You know, kids go to school here. and I'm driving kids to sport and stuff all around the, the local area. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe that's just me. But I reckon, I reckon maybe once you have kids, maybe that's just... Although then they're going to get older and they're going to have like... They're going to be playing sport in, mm. you know, in yeah. Nevada. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who knows? So the the thing, the interesting thing that I that I notice is that they're going to have a community endowment, which will create shared ownership mm. of the land. So it sounds a little bit like we have a, a structure here called a community community land trust. So you can have something like an eco village or some kind of concept like that, where people own their individual dwellings or they rent dwellings from the from the community, but the land itself is always mm. owned by the community and is never sold off. So you don't have this sort of freehold title kind of concept. Right. You just you own the house, yeah. but not yeah, the land. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's where this American economist Henry George comes in because. Yeah, around, ah, yeah, around the turn of the around the turn of the twentieth century, he was quite famous, and he, he's essentially saying that everything comes back to land. All economic value is derived from the land, or has its roots in the land, and we don't want to be privatizing that because the land is a communal asset. It's owned by the Commonwealth, the, the, by uh, whatever it is, by the collective, and we shouldn't be letting individuals mm. go run off and do whatever they want with it. We should keep keep hold of it. If, one of the ideas and the, the sort of interim step of that is he, he he suggested replacing all taxation with land taxation so yeah so you just pay a, a tax to have some land but you never you never own it and then they use that tax to to pay for all the things so there's no other tax there's no other income tax there's no i think yeah i think i think in in, in a yeah an ultimate vision vision of that the interesting twist here is that monopoly was hmm. built around george's principles so it was trying to, yeah, it was, oh, and right. the, the woman who make, who came up with it, I forget her name now, but she was trying to demonstrate how mon- the ownership of land ultimately creates monopolies and entrenches right. power. And you need to, to, to sort of deconstruct monopolies, you need to get into land and democratize land. That was, and the monopoly of the board game was a teaching tool to demonstrate that principle. Is this turning this is a big capitalist <laughs> tool though, is it? Like you've got to crush everyone else in monopoly. Well no, that's the you've point. To, yeah. This doesn't sound very social at all. You've got the whole point of monopoly is to just smash everyone else and drive everyone else well, bankrupt. Yeah, that's the capitalist game, right? Well that that was that was her point. That was her point. Like I'm saying that that the way the rules of monopoly are set up, which is the way the rules of the of the economy are set up, is that, that that's what happens. Mm. It just naturally creates monopolies. Right. You need to you need to actively intervene to stop mon- monopolies and entrench power accumulating in in smaller and smaller number of hands. You need to actively engage to stop that happening. Otherwise, the rules themselves will just naturally create those kind of outcomes. And monopoly was a sort of like a teaching tool to say, look, go, yeah, everyone do it. See, okay, see now there's one person with all the power and all the money. Mm. 
and he's now he's building a new city over, over in Nevada. <laughs> Don't forget your roots, Henry. No, Mark. <laughs> uh, the thing that worried me, though, is, is, is he said that it would allow residents to participate in the decision-making and budgeting process of the city. Is this guy for real? Has he read Facebook lately? <laughs> he logged on, to, logged on to Reddit. The city will be full of 500 GameStop stores. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean that's that's democracy, right? Like that's p- to ah. participate in decision making, budgeting. Like we ha- that's a de- that's the democratic mm. process. You lost me at budgeting. I'm not. I don't want to be involved. <laughs> get some accountants in. Pay them to do the budgeting. Oh gosh, I think we've nearly made it to the end, Thomas. Uh, I don't know how we've done it tonight, but. Um, before I go, well, we did have some listener email coming that I, I wanted to run this one past year. Uh, Rob wrote to us, uh, sent us an email, at, as you can too, cve at equitymates.com. Just wondering if you guys would consider talking about this property developer, China Evergrande, and its broader impact on the Chinese global housing market, Chinese slash global. Yeah, Thomas. yeah, this, I, should, I did mean to do some research into this. Yeah. <laughs> Great, here we are again. Um, yes, as... Really strong, big finish. <laughs> uh, yes, as I understand it, Evergrande build houses. Uh, <laughs> no, so people, people are talking about Evergrande. I don't know if, even know if that's how you pronounce it. it might be Evergrande. I've got no idea. Uh, being the next, the Lehman Brothers, the Chinese Lehman Brothers. So they're they're pretty pretty much going bankrupt. It seems so. They, they are they are China's biggest developer. They they build the most units in China. They're very big. They have enter, they have things everywhere, arms everywhere, but they're going bankrupt and at the point of collapse. And yeah, their bonds are selling at like twenty five cents to the dollar or something. I think even lower than that. Yeah, and so sort of people are ma- they're trying to they're trying to fire sale all their assets and um, trying to pull pull something out of the hat to stop from going under. Right. Um, but they have all these they have debts of their suppliers. They have um, all these contracts with people who've paid deposits for houses they have finance arrangements with banks so if they go under there's a potential for what they call contagion that it, that, it, that it's going to bring a lot of other people down with them it creates a bit of a titanic like mm. sinkhole that then sucks in everything after it and you're already starting to see that with the other developers in china that now sort of the bond markets and and the banks are going sour on the whole sector like saying well if ever ever grande can go under how 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 steady are the rest of these these characters? Um, and so it's a, it's a and for the moment the Chinese government seems a bit happy to let let the shakeout continue, and they're not they're not don't seem to be actively stepping in to to bail bail out Evergrande or bail out their their creditors. Um, they're kind of happy, and because they is part of the reason that Evergrande got into trouble was that the China was trying to rein in cons- uh, credit growth and. Evergrande ended up on the wrong side of that. Yeah, so there doesn't seem to be any government support coming. So, yeah, the whole sector looks a bit wobbly. And then that has implications. One of them is that there's rumours that uh, Tether, you know, like the um, USDT in, in crypto land, or some of the assets, which no one's really sure where their assets are, but something they might own a lot of uh, commercial paper from Evergrande. So that might sort of put pressure on Tether. Yeah, right. and the Chinese construction industry accounts for like sixty percent of all airborne, uh, seaborne iron ore trade. So it's like it could be a massive hit to iron ore demand. Iron ore, iron ore prices are actually tanking yeah. right now, um, on the back of this and amongst other things. Right. 
Yeah, so it has the potential to be, as some people are saying, the next Lehman Brothers, and this could be kind of the trigger for a great global fi- another global financial crisis of some sort. Mm. Mm. That's it. I mean, and I don't want to sound too alarmist because there is always something like that around. You can, like at any point in time, yeah, right. you can always point to something and go like, oh, if that keeps going really bad and gets worse, that could bring down the whole global financial mm. system. There's always something like that. So most people think it'll be kind of, it'll be a bumpy but softish landing. The Chinese government will kind of step in to limit the contagion somewhat. But yeah, but it's a risk and it's a, it's a big unknown. So load up on crypto. Well, not USDT, not not Tether in that in no. that case. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, I'll diversify, yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah. get, get some Solana, yeah. a bit of, uh, yeah, bit of yeah. Phantom. Yeah, get out of USDT, <laughs> I think. is the... uh, Very good. All right, we should wrap it up there. Um, thank you for staying with us through that episode. It was a bumpy ride. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to tune in. Um, if you'd like more uh, more mispronunciations and <laughs> ill-informed commentary, then please <laughs> please check back in with us again next week. We promise that we will do some much better research for next week. How about in the meantime, though, uh, why don't you check out some of the other great podcasts from Equity Mates Media, Get Started Investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, You're in Good Company. And if you haven't checked it out yet, there's a new podcast from Equity Mates Media called Talk Money to Me. Uh, and it's really good. I had a listen to their episode, uh, their order pad episode the other day, and there's some really sweet buy recommendations and some good, uh, some actual research involved in those buy recommendations. So if you're into that sort of thing, then make sure you, you, you give that a listen. Thanks once again for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time on Comedian versus Economist. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.